0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. I'm grateful that we're going to have a guest preacher here. And this is, the guest preacher is actually from our church community. Ron Ragsdale has been a part of this church, he and his family uh, for a long time. And I've gotten to know Ron for over a decade. And he's someone who I think has a gift of wisdom and a love of scripture. And so I also love hearing people from our own church community share God's word. So will you join me in welcoming Ron? <laughs> So we're in our series of guardrails, and uh, the guardrail we'll be talking about today. Oh, do I advance slide, or do they do that? They do it for you. Okay, if, if, if I go ding, that means t- do the next slide. Some things you just don't anticipate before you get up. God loves a teachable spirit. This is one of the guidelines of the vine. And it's interesting, teachable spirit, that phrase by itself, it doesn't appear in Scripture. And yet there are a few places that give us insight on what, what does it mean to have a teachable spirit? Ding. Like First Peter 5 where the Scripture reads, uh, You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we think of this idea, this guardrail of God loves a teachable spirit, we think often in terms of humility, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. And here's another passage. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And, you know, how does a child, uh, the child is typically not in control. The child is typically uh, receiving what's going on within the family. Let's picture a, a, a healthy family dynamic here. Uh, the teachable spirit, we receive what, what's there. We, we enter it with joy. We don't try to control too much what's going on, entering the kingdom of God like a child. And then also when we think about a teachable spirit, uh, somewhere we, we have the idea of scriptures in our mind. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so God loves a teachable spirit. We, we probably think it has something to do with scripture, and all these are true. And I'd like to lay out a thought for us today that when we talk about a teachable spirit, I'd like to propose this way of understanding the how of a teachable spirit. You might say that what we looked at for those first moments is the what of a teachable spirit. But if we could, let's consider the how. How do we develop a more teachable spirit. And here's the whole sermon today is right here. This is how we develop a teachable spirit. Listening with God. Listening with others. And listening with oneself. That's what it means to develop a teachable spirit. Ding. <laughs> And so let's start listening with God. You know, great passage in the Old Testament. Uh, Samuel is a little boy. Uh, he's he's uh, he's going to become a, a great prophet, a great leader in Israel. And uh, he's sent to live with an 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 older priest in his family, Eli. And he's living there in the in the temple complex with Eli. And in the middle of the night. Samuel hears a voice that says, Samuel, Samuel. He hears the voice and he gets up and he goes into Eli's room because he thinks, surely Eli has just called me. And Eli, like, what? No, go, go back to sleep. And then it happens a second time. Samuel, Samuel. Comes back into Eli, second time. Eli says, no, I, I don't know, go back to sleep, it's not me. Happens a third time, goes into Eli's room, and this time Eli says, something is up here. Next time you hear the voice respond, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so a fourth time, God calls out to the boy Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And this time Samuel says, speak, for your servant is listening. A teachable spirit is listening with God. Now, a group of us during the summer have been studying a resource. Uh, It's called Soul Feast. I tell stories. I I have a friend who uh, is 30 years old, and sometimes he bemoans the fact that he's single. And he'd like to find a a really good woman, a, a great partner in life. And it's like, where, where are all the good women? And I say to him, his name's Cade. I say to my friend Cade, well, uh, it's interesting. What do you do every weekend? I know what he does during the week because we work together. What are you doing every weekend? And every weekend, Cade goes uh, four hours outside of town to his deer camp. It's a, a deer lease, but he's always building stuff. He's always doing stuff. He's gone every weekend. All weekend, comes back in time to work on Monday, and I mentioned to Cade Well, if you want to find a good woman, why don't you hang out where good women might possibly hang out? Don't go to the deer camp every weekend. What are some places where good women might hang out? If we want to listen with God, if we want to experience God's voice in our life, maybe we should hang out where we can hear God's voice. That's the purpose of resources like Soul Feast. And within these spiritual disciplines, reading, prayer, Sabbath, and we've, we've talked about these things many times through the context of the church because these are, these are the, the basics, the foundations of how we develop our relationship with Christ, prayer of examine, spiritual direction, hospitality. And, and through it all in Soul Feast, what the author's suggestion is, is that each of us develop a a rule of life a, a pattern of behavior a pattern of practices that help us encounter god and listen with god so the first part of developing a teachable spirit it's listening with god Ding. now the passage that we read this morning <laughs> I don't know if you can picture the scene. So here it is, Jesus, and there's all kinds of people around. He's, he's very busy. He's very important. Uh, and uh, as he's been teaching the crowds, uh, a very important official, or actually servants of an important official, come, and they, they get Jesus' attention because the official's daughter, his name is Jarius, the official's daughter... Is sick to the point of death, and so you know, uh, emergency. Uh, Jesus is in town. Let's get Jesus and let's and let's heal Jairus' daughter. And as they're on their way to the official's house, an interruption happens, and here's this woman who's been bleeding for twelve years. the, the line, <laughs> the line from the story that just gets my attention. It's after she's touched him, and then everything stops. Who touched me? You know, come on, we've we got to go take care of Jarius's daughter. Come on. I, mean, I can imagine the pressure of the moment and the anxiety of other people who are in that moment trying to, to do the important things, the, the thing we're supposed to do. And you're stopping to ask, who touched me? And then the woman comes forward, and, and it's just this line right here makes me pause. And then she told him her whole story. And I wonder how big a story that was. Twelve years of all the things she had done. I mean, have you, have you been in that moment with someone? And, and uh, they keep talking the whole story. And I can imagine Jesus could have said, uh, well, wait a minute. I know where this is going. Let me just take care of you. And instead, I picture Jesus hearing the whole story. The whole story. But it's hard to hear the story. And so we have a little video clip that might make this more real for us. Oh, how true that is. Uh, So I'm going to give us four types of non-listening. Again, think about where we are. We're saying God loves a teachable spirit. And and it's easy to say, well, that means that we listen with God. But, But I'm laying the proposal to us that... Uh, a way that we develop a teachable spirit is that we better we learn better how to listen how to listen with other people with others and that's a central way that god develops a teachable spirit within ourselves and so here on the screen i'd say are four types of non-listening let's see if you can connect with these i'll go through them pretty quickly you know one type of non-listening is the hijacker where uh, one of us begins to tell a story, something that's meaningful, something that's important. And before we know it, someone else in the group takes over the story and turns it to themselves, and now they're telling their story. That's the non-listener. Now, you guys can't see what I see because I can notice people's... Uh, what. So as soon as I said the hijacker of someone, I won't say who, turned to their husband and said, that's you the hijacker. Or perhaps another type of non-listening is the fixer. This is probably my swing fault more than any other. Is Stephanie begins to tell me a story, and I think what she needs is a solution. So here, let me give you the solution, because obviously that's what you need. When we were dating, this long before we were married, uh, Stephanie's birthday was coming up, and... Um, I didn't know what to get her for her birthday. Now remember, we're dating, we're in college at the time. And so I'm thinking, what does she need? What does she need? And I thought, I know exactly what she needs. She needs a set of bathroom scales upon which to weigh herself. Because I, I can hear it in my mind. I can hear it how many times she said, I think I've gained a couple pounds. What do you think? And I would say, Have you weighed yourself lately? And she would say, I don't have any scales. And so, she needs bathroom scales. And that's what I got her for her birthday. And if you think I'm kidding, you're wrong. So there's the hijacker, there's the fixer, there's the Will Turner. Think about what this type of non-listening is like. Will Turner is the one who misses the opportune moment. This is a line from Pirates of the Caribbean where Will Turner and Elizabeth, played by Keira Knightley, she finally begins to open the door that she is is willing to engage in a relationship with Will, and he just misses the moment. She leaves, and then Captain Jack comes over to Will and says, In case you were wondering, mate, that was the opportune moment. The Will Turner is the one who is... uh, oblivious ignorant or just paralyzed in fear and they miss the moment of engaging with another of truly listening to their story and then lastly the lawyer we now have a lawyer in our family our daughter Kaylee is here with us and the lawyer turns every story into an argument over something and it doesn't matter what the something is But do we have friends like this that no matter what happens, within moments, it's going to become an argument over something. And they're going to go to the courtroom of adjudication, the courtroom of of fixing something, not the problem, but arguing over a topic, rather than just engaging in the experience of the other. These are four types of not listening. I wonder which is your swing fault. Mine's the fixer. But if we want to develop a teachable spirit, then more and more we have the opportunity to learn how to listen. And during the summer, uh, again, the group of us that have been doing the Abide Study, we've been using this resource called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. In chapter 7 of this book, wow, talk about learning how to listen. And And like this little exercise seems really strange, and yet if we were to live into this simple practice with another person, it would revolutionize the way that we listen with one another. And so uh, to the first person, we would speak, we tell our, our own thoughts, our own feelings, you know, be brief, use short sentences. If I think Stephanie's missed something, correct her. And then she listens while I kind of finish the story. And then when I'm done... I say that's all for now. Kind of like Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. And then as the listener, we listen and then at the end we ask the speaker, is there more? And then of everything you shared, what's one thing you'd like for me to remember from what you just shared? Now, This just sounds really weird, and it is when we see it like this, but if we were to put this into practice with one another, of of really working at the way that we listen, really working at engaging into the other person's story and making sure that they're heard all the way through, and then reviewing, what's one thing you'd like for me to remember from that story? It would revolutionize our lives and relationships. And then lastly, listening with self. God loves a teachable spirit. How do we develop a more teachable spirit? And today we're saying we listen with God, we listen with others, and we listen with self. Proverbs 25 The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters but one who has insight draws them out. Now, it'd be common to think of this verse in relation with another person, and we want to be the person with wisdom that draws out the deep waters from another person, but in my own experience, the first playing field upon which we can develop this skill is with ourselves, that within myself there are deep waters. And it takes skill and wisdom to draw out those deep waters from myself in order to understand what's going on within me. And I love this line from Psalm 42. It's repeated throughout Psalm 41 and Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And so often I need to ask myself the why. Number one, I may not even recognize that there is something that's disturbing me. I'm ignorant to the state of my own soul. But then once I recognize that there is truly something that's bothering me, am I able to to peel the onion and go a little deeper and, and try to listen with self to find out what is going on on the inside? Now, I've had the benefit of of some counseling over the years, me in counseling. Uh, I know it would surprise you after I told the great story of the bathroom scales that within a month of our marriage, Stephanie and I were in marriage counseling together. I know it's a shock. Like how how could that ever happen? And we were, and the therapist would ask me questions about what I was feeling. And whenever she'd ask a question, what, and Ron, this is, Stephanie just shared something, da, 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 how do you feel right now? And my response would be, well, I think that she, or I think that, and I would respond to the question, uh, what are you feeling with, let me tell you what I think. And I couldn't say what I felt. I had no idea. And so the therapist uh, Reaches over. I guess she does this with a lot of people and finds this piece of paper. It looked just like this. And put it on the table with me. Ron, if we could, what are you feeling right now? Look at this page until you find how you're feeling. Yeah. So funny. It is. And yet, in learning to listen to self, one of the first things that I had to discover is that there's this world going on inside of me that I was ignoring or didn't or scared of and didn't know what to do with. And I needed a tool as simple as this to, to learn how to identify what is going on. Where is my heart today? What am I feeling? And now I use this in business as well too, in working with other people and developing their skills as leaders and managers and lovers of other people. And if you ask me the question, I can, uh, anytime, and it's such a common question, hey, how are you feeling? If you'll, you notice, I don't, I don't say I feel fine. Because first I have to take an inventory. Because when you say, how are you feeling? To me, I'm going to pause for a few moments. It may even feel uncomfortable. And I'm going back into my counseling session to go, what am I feeling right now? And then I'm probably going to tell you. like, Well, since you've asked, I feel the emotion of anticipation. Uh, I'm not nervous about preaching, but I am worked up about preaching, and I'm looking forward to it too. And when it's done, I will feel the emotion of relief. 1993... Uh, I went to a monastery. It was outside of uh, Denver, between Denver and Colorado Springs, and I went on a five-day silent retreat. I was a little bit young to be doing, I was 29, and it's a little young to do this, but I had a pretty high opinion of my spirituality, and I thought that I would do just fine on a five-day silent retreat at a monastery. It's a, a monastery where the the priests and the monks all practice the rule of silence, and so there's there's no talking even during the meals. No one's talking with one another, and for one hour a day, I would have a conversation with a spiritual director named Howard, and so he was really the one in control of designing this five day silent retreat for me, and and so the first. Uh, he greets me as I enter. First day I'm there, and he gives me um, a couple of passages to read, and I've got a journal and a pen, and he tells me, now you can't look up any other scriptures, just these two or three that I'm giving you, and I want you to answer one question. I'll be back tomorrow. Answer this one question. Ron, what do you desire? I have to tell you, I was a little disappointed with how simple this is. And so I go, I, but I'm going to go, okay, I'll do that. And so I've got my Bible, my journal. Ron, what do you desire? And even as I'm walking away from Howard, I'm thinking, what's the big deal? I know what I desire. I desire to love God and to serve Him with all my heart. That's what I desire, but okay. And I'm read the Scriptures, do a little writing, pray. I feel very spiritual. And I come back the next day to meet with Howard. And so we sit down. He gets right to the point. Ron, what do you desire? And I gave him my true answer. I desire to love God and be used for his purposes in this world. And Howard goes, hmm. And then he stands up and says, Ron, I think you need to spend a little more time with that question. And he just left. Now, I'm in a place, I've, I've been waiting 24 hours to have someone to talk with, and he's just gone. I think you need to spend a little more time with that question. Now, this was in the month of August, and you remember, this was just a few weeks ago in 1993 with the meteor shower. And, and all I can say is, God met me that night. And I woke up, Every four hours, I would wake up, and i try not to cry. But it was deeply meaningful encounter with the Lord, and the meteors played a role in it, too, as they're flashing across the sky at 2 a.m. And when I met with Howard the next day, I had an answer, because during that night, uh, the deep waters of my soul began to be opened up by the Lord, and I was able to listen with self in a way that I had not listened before. And so this was my answer to Howard the next day. Howard, let me tell you what I desire. I desire success. Uh, I desire accomplishment. I desire for other people to think that I'm smart. Uh, I desire control. In these five different areas of my life, I desire control. And you know what I desire more than anything else, Howard? I think I desire to be desired by other people. That's what's in my heart. And Howard smiled a gracious smile. He said, let's get to work. And so... Ding. The question that I began to use from that time... It goes along with the prayer of examine. And again, we've used this resource in, in our fellowship, our time together. And it also comes out of Soul Feast as well. And here's my short version of the prayer of examine is to simply pause and to ask, Ron, where is my heart today? Like, what's going on? And to ask that question without judgment, w- without shaming oneself uh, but to just ask, where is my heart? And Lord, what are you doing today? Uh, Where are you inviting me, Lord, into new areas of engagement or faithfulness or use in this world? Where is my heart today? So to review, we've said that God loves a teachable spirit, and how do we best develop or how do we more develop a teachable spirit within each of us? And, and, and I'm saying it happens in three ways. Listening with God, listening with others, and listening with self. I wonder if we could take just 30 seconds right now And I would guess that when you see that slide right there, there's something that's drawing you right now, an invitation to practice listening with God, with others, or with self. And I just wonder, what is it for you? And if you would, we'll just be silent for 30 seconds, and let's see what the Lord says to each of us.